No, Otto. I will tell the story. No one understands you anyway. It's only proper. I am the one who solved the riddle. I should be the one to relay the story. I will, of course, report on your individual heroics. Do you think Senator Amidala will hold a state... As soon as we rendezvous with Master Gallia, we're offloading those two. Perhaps I couldn't agree more, sir. Himself shall attend. Dare to dream, it's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Puto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, 3PO and R2 travel to Aline to aid the Republic's Earthquake Relief Force. Before long, the heroic droids find themselves traveling through a mysterious underground world before they return to the surface and save the day. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, and I'm a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship, he's a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the R2 to my 3PO. What's your trusty pal, Robbie? <laughs> Hello there. And we are going to talk about the 71st episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Bonnie Mark and directed by Danny Keller. It's Season 4, Episode 5, Mercy Mission. So, Robbie, let's launch this episode with you letting us know if there are any particular details you remembered about Mercy Mission before you just watched it for the third time. I must have been asleep the first two times I watched it because when this started off, I was like, I don't remember this at all. Like, even just them getting to the planet, the, I mean, I seriously didn't remember this at all. I don't know what happened, but I just, I didn't remember anything about it. And it was like, I watched this for the first time. Did you remember when R2 was given the mission by Anakin and the evil plans to keep 3PO out of trouble, and instead, R2 got distracted and everything went bad? Do you remember that? I do. And here, in this episode... He's given the mission of monitoring the download. And what does he do instead? He gets distracted and, wand- and wanders off. I mean, Immediately. R2 has saved the literal galaxy so many times in the show, so I don't want to be hard on him at all. But, you know, come on, R2. Yeah, I don't... Stay on target. It's Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it's... I mean, of course you could say, you know, well, if, if he didn't get distracted, then he, you know, yeah, sure. then we wouldn't have a plot. But at the same time, it's kind of like, man, come on. You know, it's just like, we know that R2 has, he's, he's he, he doesn't have ADHD for droids. So, what's, I don't know. It's weird that, that the Alina, right, that are sitting there with R2, wouldn't have been trying to grab R2 and move them, you know, and try to distract him before C-3PO gets out here, you know? Didn't you find that strange? No. How do you mean? What do you mean grab him? Well, they're trying to... I mean, almost immediately when he walks in, they start going, hey, come with us, basically. Come with us, we have something to show you. When who comes in? 3PO? Yeah, when 3PO comes in. To the little, to that little, uh, I guess that bunker or whatever with all the computer equipment. Right. But they don't do that with R2. Is it because they, they know that R2 doesn't understand them? Or? Yeah, that's what I assumed. I mean, they sort of... Very early on, think 3PO is some kind of god, right? It's a callback to The Last Jedi. They think he's the one who calmed down the earthquake. And so they... You mean Return of the Jedi? What did I say? The Last Jedi? Yeah. Yeah, I did mean Return of the, <laughs> Return of the Jedi. And yeah, I just assumed that 
they grab 3PO because he's the one that they think has the power and he obviously has the knowledge because he speaks their language, you know? I guess so. I don't know. It's weird to me that, that R2 wouldn't be able to understand him. You know, you would think that, I mean, he speaks in beeps and whistles, but he still seems to understand people. So it's weird that they wouldn't have given him some sort of universal translator too. Sure. So he could at least understand. But hey, whatever. You know, I'm not versed in astromech software, so I don't even know. Sure. And also, it might seem a little bit pointless giving R2 a universal translator or making him a translator droid because, you know, even if he can understand stuff, he can't communicate like 3PO can in the other person's language, you know? So I guess it's just a question I never thought of, maybe? Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I just found it strange that it's really 3PO that gets distracted and R2 comes along, at least from my perspective. Sure. But I still feel like R2 would have stayed on task there. Yeah, the odd part about that is I didn't feel like 3PO was asking R2 to come with him. I felt like 3PO was saying, I'm just going to go with these guys, you know, and R2 decided, oh, well, if you're going, I'm going too, you know. Yeah. But uh, maybe I misremembered that. Maybe 3PO was to, I don't know. That's how I read it anyway. No, you're right. You're right. And I think it's, maybe that's, he felt protective of him or something. I don't know. Hey, this is a weird episode, so. It could be he's just curious. Yeah. And I don't blame him. And like you said, it worked out pretty well because they end up finding that uh, manhole cover. (laughs) Yeah. But before they do that, of course, they're part of Commander Wolf's landing party. And this is the first time I got a real solid sense of who Commander Wolf is. I mean, we've seen him several times in several episodes. He's always around Master Plo Koon. And in this episode, we find out he's very serious. He's not a particularly happy-go-lucky sort of dude, especially to have been relegated to this relief mission instead of fighting alongside Master Plo. And we also learn he has a pretty strong eye roll game, Robbie, even with that cybernetic eye or whatever it is. So in our eye roll rankings, I think I would still have him slightly below Ahsoka and Padme, but he's right up there. I mean, this guy has a solid eye roll game, even with that cybernetic eye. What is, I mean... What is that eye? I guess that's something I should be asking you. Is it that he's blinded one eye? or It could be. I mean, but there's not really, at least as far as I can remember, I don't think we ever get the story of, of how Wolf either lost sight or lost his real eye. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But uh, he's always been one of those uh, visually interesting clones. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the things in my uh, deep dive into some of the the archives on StarWars.com about this episode, I didn't realize that he had been in so many. I mean, I knew, I, I remember the name and, and I remember seeing him, but but apparently his design has changed a lot, especially his armor and his helmet and everything. So it was kind of interesting to kind of see that process. But uh, yeah, nothing about nothing about how he lost his eye. Yeah, I guess because Star Wars has kind of a theme of like, I mean, Vader and there's Grievous, and it's just one of those things where cybernetic enhancement is a thing so I don't know I, I assume that but I mean I don't, can't think of it I mean Luke has a Luke and Anakin both have cybernetic hands so I guess I just assumed it was a cybernetic eye but thinking about it I don't know if it is maybe he's just blind in that one eye you would think he wouldn't be very effective if he could only see one out of one eye because I mean death perception is pretty uh, important when you're fighting in battles I would think yeah it sure is although I guess when you're so experienced, maybe that just makes up for it. And plus, when you're shooting, I mean, I know in real life you don't close one eye, but, uh, you know, the old when you're a kid, you do that thing where you close one eye to sight, so maybe it actually helps them in that sort of way. I don't know, maybe. I haven't thought that much about it. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it before I even asked the question. 
But what I had thought about is that his squad has some pretty rough and ready troopers, especially when it comes to 3PO. They're a little bit... Are they bullies, Robbie? How did you like the way that they were treating 3PO in this episode? Well, I mean, in a way, I think sometimes... And not to say that everybody thinks this way about 3PO, like in, you know, normal fans or whatever, but in a way, I kind of feel like sometimes 3PO is put in the almost thankless role of being annoying. Sure. And asking annoying questions and being too talkative and all that, all those things. So I kind of feel like, in a way, the clones are acting the way that a lot of times we probably would. If we had encountered 3PO, we would just be like, okay, just... Calm down. Nobody cares about how many languages, you know, I've got a job to do. You know what I mean? Right. There's there's that, there's just that, uh, I don't, I didn't think of it as bullying. I thought of it more of just like, okay, we get it. We got it. Let's move on. You know what I mean? Sure. Again, the main part I'm thinking about is when 3 is walking down that corridor and one of them just chest checks him, you know, like literally bumps into him the same way bullies do in the school corridor, you know? So that was when I thought, oh, wait a minute. It's not just that these guys are all business. That some of them are actual, you know, maybe you have a little bit of nerf herder to their personality. Oh, they could. They could, for sure. But I, I just, I don't know, I always looked at it as, you know, he's, they obviously have worked with him before because they, they have that preconceived notion of how this is going to go. Sure. That's definitely what I got at the start when they were saying, you know, hurry up and sit down in this chair and he was being a little bit, oh, this is so rude. Was that, that was a terrible 3 Robbie. <laughs> I wasn't even... I didn't even wind up to do that, but but you know it was it was that specific moment. One of them body checks him in the corridor, and at that moment, you know, I marked that one. I don't even know the, any of their names. I should have remembered their names, but that particular one of his of Commander Wolf's troops, I thought that one in particular is a bit of a bully. But you know, he's not a bully, Robbie. King Manchucho, how did you like these little Alinas? I loved every second he was on screen, and I even want a spin-off episode just of the Alinas. I thought they were super fun designs. I thought they were super fun little characters and they could have, you know, I mean, you know, the minions yeah. from Despicable Me, is it? It's Despicable Me, yeah. right? They could have their own show, these little Alinas, and I would watch every episode and maybe even make a podcast about it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I need a series. Maybe an episode? I don't know. Hey, there's a whole big world of, uh, of the Star Wars universe out there, and, and who knows what they're going to do. But, but yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought that they were very, uh, I thought they were kind of adorable. And I guess it's because we the only time we really see them in the previous canon was in Phantom Menace, right? Because one of them yeah, right. is a... Uh, pod racer. One of the pod racers, right. And then there's that blink and you miss it kind of almost cameo of his family... The pod racer, after he's been taken out in the pod race, his family is walking by the, you know, in the background and they're kind of crying. But it's just one of those blink and you miss it kind of things in episode one. But yeah, I found them uh, rather adorable. And uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Did you find those ant-like Kindaloo as adorable, Robbie? I, there's, there's a part of me that was like, you know what, Lord of the Rings did it. We've had this before in literature and fiction, whatever. But I was like, what? I seriously was... Because I, I did not... <laughs> like I said, for some reason, I do not remember this episode at all. I don't know if I was just really distracted beforehand, but I did not remember it. And I'm like, okay, this is the first time we've had talking trees in Star Wars. I almost feel like there's sometimes when they're, they're doing their homages to other material other movies and other 
literature or whatever, Lord of the Rings, I felt like it was just too on the nose. And it was just like, yeah, but why? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's the kind of... In fact, that's what ended up happening with this whole episode. Is I mean, even though there was a part of me that enjoyed it, there was also that part of me that was still going, yeah, but why? Right. Overall, this was... And we talked about this briefly right before we started recording, that I found this to be one of the strangest... It seems like one of those kind of ideas that's just like, hey, let's have R2 and 3PO meet an underground fairy kind of thing with talking trees and the... But why? Yeah, but why? Right. But what's the point? And that's the that's the whole problem with I have of it. Even though I will say that I like the design of them, of these... What are they called? The... Kendalos, I think is what they're called. Yeah. I really like the design of them, but I was also kind of disappointed that they didn't show up again. It was like they were just kind of messengers, almost. Yeah, right. It was just, it was strange. It feels like there's going to be more of a confrontation when he, they meet those Kindaloo, but it turns out they just point them in the direction of this tricksy, magical Riddler fairy called Orphney. And she's just the latest in this recent run of magical beings who I guess is using the Force. I mean, we had this conversation in another episode. We probably don't need to go into it again. But I sort of get what you mean about wondering why, because it seems like a pretty big thing to introduce someone like, say, Mother Talzin or like the characters we ran into in Mortis. But in those episodes, those characters are very consequential and pretty much drive the entire story. Whereas in this one, they just sort of kind of bump into her and then they're gone. And you wonder, well, what does any of it mean? On the other hand, I like that it just shows that there are many more weird and wonderful things, just like Mother Talzin, just like the Mortis people. There are many more weird and wonderful things in this galaxy. And one of the things I've always loved about the Star Wars galaxy is the potential for weird and wonderful things. And I guess I just like the way it felt like... 3PO and R2 kind of stumbled into someone else's story and then they stumble out again. I found that charming, I guess. Yeah, I I see your point. And it's, I would just, as you were saying that, it started making me think about what I've been saying. That, you know, you kind of hope and wish that, you know, more of the, uh, the universe is explored. But it just, I don't know. Like... I just, I wonder why. I wonder what the decision was or what the discussions were. It was like, do we want to see more of the criminal underworld? Do we want to see more of, I mean, I don't know, just anything. Anything in, in Star Wars. Well, you know what? Why don't we have talking trees and, and fairies? You know what? Let's do it. Right. Yeah, it's just it's just a strange thing for, for them to, to do and to, and to decide to do, you know, like, willingly. <laughs> you know, I guess that's what's so strange about it, but... I mean, hey, you know, it's uh, it's it's a it's definitely a, a thing. I don't even know what to say. No, I think <laughs> it's so weird. When your question about the appearance of these things is why, my the only response I really have is why not. You know, <laughs> which doesn't, which right. is not a conversation. But I think I am just generally. I guess we had a similar thing with zero when you were asking why is he like this, and my response, I guess, is a similar. You know, why not? And that's what this sort of brings me back to is how, like, you know, I mean, not to repeat myself again, but one of my favorite things in Star Wars is how exotic and kind of crazy Jabba's palace is in Return of the Jedi, you know, which is really a a massively expanded version of the Mos Eisley Cantina. So I've always loved the idea that there's this weird and wonderful universe out there. And that's always been part of Star Wars. So anytime I run into something that's weird and wonderful, that makes some kind of sense, you know. Um, no, and I get that. I'm fine with it, and I enjoy it. Yeah, and 
that's the thing that I kind of struggle with too, is that, you know, I'm sitting here basically saying the same thing that we've been hearing a lot with a lot of the, the detractors of, you know, this new, even though this isn't, you know, Disney era story, but people have been very critical about the Disney era story, giving them things that, you know, quote unquote, we don't need, like we don't need a Han Solo origin story. We don't need this and we don't need that. Right. But who doesn't need that? And as if to say that every story has to work on every level for every person, you know what I mean? And and that's, that's where I'm, I'm sitting here starting to kind of change my tune a little bit and change my opinion about it just talking it out because that's the one thing that that I dislike about the way a lot of people have treated Star Wars recently is that they feel like it has to be it has to be for them and if it's not for them then it's terrible. Well, that's just not true. And you can't say that it's something that you don't like is objectively bad. I mean, how many times have you heard that in the last three years. Right. Doesn't mean that it's objectively bad. There's plenty of people that probably enjoy this episode just fine. Hey, I'm one of them. Yeah. Just because it doesn't work for me on every level doesn't mean that it's that it's utility. It's 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 usefulness is, is not, isn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that you specifically mark these episodes on when you rank them is whether they have any bearing on the overall story. And this is one of those episodes that I guess unless Orphany and the the, the Kindle are going to turn up in the future. This doesn't really have any bearing on the overall story. So it is one of those episodes which is, uh, you know, for want of a better word, it's a throwaway episode. But, you know, I still, <laughs> I'm in this to explore the Star Wars universe. And this episode lets me explore the Star Wars universe. So I was all on board for it. I mean, did you at least like that Orphany's first response to seeing 3PO before he even gets his first sentence out is to taste him to see if he's edible? <laughs> it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. Weird good or weird bad? Not weird, well, weird and different almost. But it kind of <laughs> made me think of it kind of made me think of the um the creature in Empire that takes R2 under the water. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. spits him out. It's a similar thing. I just thought it was funny, I guess. For me that was just a comedic beat that I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty weird. But weird like for me it was like weird like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's it. Sure. Well, I guess if there was one thing in the episode that I did really have a question about it was how did that manhole slash filter slash golden disc get moved in the first place because if it was the ants and the orphany that are creating the earthquakes then it couldn't have got shaken out of place by an earthquake and yet putting it back in place was what was going to stop the earthquake so what did I miss something there or was that just uh, something to not try to think about too much? Uh, Yeah I don't think that we know I mean, I would think that the way that the Alina are acting with 3PO, it's almost like they're like, hey, you, you, you need to help us put this back. Because maybe they opened it, people got sick, they took them away from it, and they weren't able to get it back closed because of the spores or whatever it is. Maybe that's it. I mean, that's just what I think. Yeah, that works for me, Robbie. That works just fine for me. And you know what else works for me? I really like the design of not just those little Alina guys, but that whole ruins strewn desert planet and i mean sometimes questions are asked by fans why do we need all these desert planets but just like when we talked about the geonosian arc and i was a fan of their (laughs) geonosis which is another desert planet i really like this one too and that underground sort of bioluminescent world i really liked and when it comes to things that we really like to look over every that's when we talk about our favorite shot of the episode what was your favorite shot of mercy mission well we i talked about it briefly earlier with the Kendalo down there 
even though I'm sitting there going, why, but why, in my head, I'm also going, that's really, that's really pretty looking. So, my favorite shot in the episode is when 3PO and R2 are surrounded by those trees, and they're, they're kind of having that discussion. I just like the look of it. It was just a really interesting look. Ah, that's nice, Robbie. Even with all your questions and all your reservations about them, you still... Give them the props of making them your favorite shot of the episode. And one of the challenges that you've sort of beaten in doing that is that the landing shots at the start of this episode are so beautiful. They're kind of daring us not to choose them, especially that one which kind of rolls out yep. into sort of a sunrise flare. You know, the sun slowly rises over the disk of the planet. Just, <laughs> just awesome. And my number one is not one of those. It's this simple low angle shot of R2 near the end with that little guy who stands in front of R2 just before giving R2 a big old hug of thanks. Yeah. No, that was actually one of my favorite shots of the episode too. And I almost chose it just because I thought it was, I mean, it, honestly, it was just really cute. I like the way that that, uh, that, that went down. Oh, it was pretty good. Sure was, Robbie. And so before we bring this one in for a landing, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your third ever watch of Mercy Mission, Robbie, how did you like it? Or maybe this wasn't your third ever watch, given that you didn't remember. Maybe, I don't know, maybe <laughs> this was your first, and you just didn't know. It could have been. It, it it might as well have been the first time seeing it because I did not remember a lot of this, and maybe it was just because it was one of those that, from my mind, because it's so, such a, you know, quote unquote throwaway episode or one off, that it didn't resonate with me. But. With that being said, I'm going to give it uh, two and three quarter stars because I don't think it's completely recommended if you're watching, you know, especially if you have a limited amount of time and you want to try to get the story of the Clone Wars, you know, down. This is definitely one to skip. But as I said before, it's really well done. I laughed a couple of times. There's some beautiful shots in it. it it's definitely off the beaten path. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. Yeah, I have this at seven little floating fairy lights out of ten, and seven might not sound high, but it's about as high as I can give any episode where there isn't some kind of significant character moments or galaxy-changing revelations. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I liked the way it looked. I liked that it kind of moved. You know, I really only had that one question about how the bandhole got moved in the first place, but even that's not a real big question. And, you know, I also really liked getting to know a bit more about Commander Wolf, and, you know, at the end... Be relieved that he and his squad get to be out of the company of 3PO and they get to have a break from 3PO for a while, Robbie. So that's mission accomplished for season four, episode five, Mercy Mission. Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communication channels? Sure, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 72nd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 4, Episode 6, Nomad Droids. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform. And Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.